aside from the doctor, I'm uh, rocking the air cast now. I got an x-ray, and the current theory is that the sprain at around mile 80 just dislocated my ankle, which caused some extra rubbing uh, around the anterior tib, which apparently I was pretty close to having uh, an overuse injury with anyway. So basically the dislocation just caused everything around my ankle to blow up. Um, but I'm in the air cast now and it looks like I've got two ish more weeks of recovery and then maybe things will be fine. Uh, prognosis was pretty decent. We'll talk more soon. All right. Bye. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Will Peterson, and this week I have a really special episode for you guys. Um, This week we're going to be talking about my recent FKT of the New Hampshire 4,000 footers. This episode is me having a conversation with my friend Xander Kiter, who um, put down 41 of the 48 mountains towards this FKT with me before... um, before unfortunately getting derailed due to an ankle injury. So um, we did a whole lot of this thing together. It was really a team effort to put it all together. And um, I'm happy to have this conversation on the record with him. It was a great time. I'm going to keep this intro super short because it's a really long conversation. And uh, yeah, hope you all enjoy. Bye. All right. We appear to be up and running. Xander Kiter. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thanks. First repeat guest on the yeah, podcast. Happy to be back. Yeah. One of, I'm assuming, many more uh, yeah. appearances. I'm a friend of the pod. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Boost the numbers. Yeah. Um, we are here today to chat about our recent run of the 48. Um, and just, you know, kind of put down a, a conversation record of our experiences on the trail because, you know, you can only put so much on social media and when it comes to trip reports and stuff, there are certain certain boxes you have to check for the overlords at fastest known time. Right. And uh, we don't have to do any of that with this. No. No, my, my mom told me right after I finished, she was like, you know, you should write everything down that you're that you're feeling like right now you should write down the whole story of it and I was like I don't need to right I've got the pod it's gonna be on a four-hour podcast <laughs> right <laughs> absolutely dude so first of all how are you feeling we're uh, we're recording this on Sunday so this is you know four days yeah. post project three and change yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm feeling all right. I'm definitely sleepy. I, I sleep a lot more yeah. <laughs> for the last few nights. Um, it's hot down in Boston right now, so I sort of feel sticky and sluggy. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I, I'm, most of my body is recovering, and we'll get to this more, but my ankle is still still certainly a sticking point. <laughs> yeah, dude. We need to get some pics of that before it goes away. Yeah. Um, uh, there There are pictures of it, though, like... Um, at the time. At the time. Oh hell yeah. yeah, hell yeah. Those are going to be in the, uh, in if you go follow the Instagram account, those are absolutely going to be in the uh, title card of the video. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, thank God. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I feel that though. I I avoided any musculoskeletal destruction. <laughs> so like, as far as that, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, my right IT band is fairly tight, which I expected. But outside of that, again, yeah, like we we both know this, but the thing that sticks with me the longest is the fatigue. Yeah. And like, I've you know, it's it's so weird sleeping nine hours a day and then you know it gets around to 8 p.m the next night and you're just exhausted again (laughs) right yeah and i also feel like it's uh it's a ton of emotional fatigue too Mm -hmm. like i'm uh, i'm way more likely to be like dysregulated um you know in in the week after one of these things yeah um i've still cried every day since since it happened so Mm -hmm. that's great so uh, that's like almost Jeez, that's like six days in a row of of a good sob. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Those are athletic tears. Yeah, it lets you know that you're not a robot. <laughs> that we are not. Well, all right. So we, we've covered uh, what we're feeling in this current moment. Let's backtrack then to sure. the start. The start. Um, I looked this up. Well, so... It kind of started last summer when I decided to do it and then got destroyed by it in August. Um, so, like, for anyone who doesn't know, I took a shot at this route in August, and my first day was the um, was the whole, like, enormous PEMI area with flume and both bushwhacks and all the, all the climbs and everything, and various things went wrong. I was not actually prepared for it, and... It ended up bailing like a, just a few miles into the second day and um, that was a process of, of reloading um, but I felt like even you know from the start there I felt like I was gonna come back to it um, and so I, I looked this up in our text messages um, to you know for this conversation and it was November 16th <laughs> Sure. 2021, I messaged, I texted you and said, uh, you know, at the time you were eyeing uh, possibly another shot at the 100 Mile Wilderness this coming summer. Right. And I, I texted you saying, so what are the odds that I can uh, talk you out of the 100 Mile Wilderness and talk you into a shot at the Supported 48 in June? Yeah. And your response was, dude, pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that I was like, I don't know. I. I, I really like the 100 Mile Wilderness. I hope that I get back to it. Mm-hmm. I'm more confident now about getting back to it and putting down something nice. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The, the past two years, I, it's, I don't feel like the like multi-day efforts are like truly my strength. But I think it was so good for me to like do well, all of this. This is your first one. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's an important point. Like Xander had done a, a hundred miler before, many a Pemu loop, many a present. No, I had done like one, maybe two Pemu loops. Damn it, <laughs> that's so. Fierce. I had run a bunch of like uh, sort of Crawford Notch to Franconia Notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, because you had pieced together groups. different segments of the Hot Traverse. Yeah, but. This was a whole different animal that you were signing up for. Yes. What made you say, yeah, I'll jump into a four-day, 180-mile ultramarathon? Yeah, I think, honestly, it was be like, 
it was because I I didn't know exactly where I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of wanted to go out to the 100-mile wilderness again, but there was a lot of hurt there because of the, the foolish mistakes I had made on my, my second attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was sort of like not not the best relationship to like enter into another like training session for the 100-mile wilderness with. And the 48 was something more more tangible that I could sort of like hitch my training cart to. Mm-hmm. Um, it was going to be an awesome thing for us to get to do together. Um, I don't know. Honestly, like I knew that I wanted to train for something. And this was the thing that pre- presented itself and um, started giving us fire because we were working on it together. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's super fair. I think, especially during the training stages, like doing having a similar project motivates us quite a bit because yeah. we live very near each other and we can get out on the long runs together. And right. So what did what the beginning of that training process look like? Because we'll get into it in a second, but like I couldn't train with you until like March. Right. So you the first three or four months of the training process, you were essentially doing it by yourself. Yeah, I mean, I was I was sort of treating it, for better or for worse, like a, like another hundred mile effort, and so especially at the beginning, I was just sort of doing a lot of lot of slow mileage, trying to get into the gym more than I had, try to get the the strength up for the for the climbing. Um, I really wasn't doing a ton of mileage though. Um, at that point, I was just sort of doing a lot of maintenance work during midweek, get out for a longer run. But until like January, those those longer runs really didn't go into like the 20, 25 plus range. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot of just sort of like getting my body back under me and like trying to have a healthy relationship with training from, you know, I guess in those first six weeks or so from November to the start of January. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Sort of just, like, building a base, reloading, and, like, getting ready for sort of... I I feel like we've always kind of, with summer projects, we've kind of always looked at the late fall slash, like, you know, November, December as kind of, like, not a rest period, but sort of, like, a... Like, we've kind of treated it as as long as we're good to start actual training come the new year, then like we're happy. (laughs) Right. It's one of the nice things about living in the Northeast is that like, it's really hard to compete at a really high level in like November and December. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, it's a very easy time where like, if you want to get out and run, you can, but it's like, there's very little reason to like get yourself psyched up to do a, a massive effort that it it's hard to get yourself psyched up to do like an A effort in right. November or December because it's just going to be brutal to, like conditions <laughs> sure no totally i know the yeah the only time i've ever done that is the winter hot traverse and i will never do that again <laughs> so like i feel that a i don't know big stuff in the winter up here, especially if you're tra- a trail guy, you yeah. know, like it's just so brutal. <laughs> right. Well, it just sort of forces you to like take a step back, I yeah. think. Yeah, no, definitely. So yeah, from my perspective, 
uh, shout out to Run the Whites for savaging my body in uh, in October of 2021. We uh, I, I participated in Bubba's Backyard Ultra Marathon and um, ended up hurting myself. Um, like uh, it was a foot injury, like just tendonitis, but I, you know, pushed through it until I couldn't walk anymore, um, and then. You know, I went went to PT for a couple months for that, and then um, as soon as that was better, it just like redirected up the kinetic chain to my knee, <laughs> and then it you know took another month or so to get that under control. So I really, yeah, I really wasn't um, hard on the training blocks until mid March, I think, which was just like super super frustrating, and I think I think we both had some trepidation about like. Uh, Will's got like two or three months to get in shape here. (laughs) Yeah. How is that going to work? Yeah. I don't know. I like, there was some trepidation, but there was also like, your base has always been very strong from, from through hiking and like, uh, like it's not like the training goes completely away, you know, from last year's hundred mile wilderness stuff, training for Bubba's and it's also important to mention that, like, it's not like you were inactive for this time, right? You were you were doing a decent amount of biking, even though it's it was like casual. You were just doing a lot of standing at your at your place of work, right? Um, and re- really, I I think that I don't think that your like aerobic fitness was deteriorating. Right, and if if for you and the nature of the 48, where it's like primarily a hike, as long as your aerobic fitness wasn't de- deteriorating, mm-hmm. like there was some decent confidence that you get to the, you get to where you w- would have a shot. Yeah, no, that's fair, and it's also like for these multi-day stuff for me, I've always found that the best way for me to get in shape is to just like hide do high volume hiking days hopefully in a row and I knew that you know I was going to be graduating I would have time in the month of May and early June to just like stack hiking days on each other and so like that was kind of my plan anyway um you know the spring was just sort of a time to get in shape for that (laughs) so was yeah it wasn't the biggest deal but um it was it was mostly just frustration over the course of the winter. You know, it was a very slow moving recovery, and um, to get back to get back to a hundred percent. But in any case, uh, we also had uh, a friend approach us about a uh, feature length, maybe not feature length, but a <laughs> short length film about uh, this project. Right. This is true. Yeah. Um, our friend. Our friend Hayes. Who's Xander's roommate? Uh, they're, they approached us uh, early on in the process and asked if we'd be interested in uh, having a, a sort of a docu follow us around on this thing. Yeah. Which we said yes to, <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's been going throughout the whole process. So keep an eye out for that. I will, you know, I'll be pumping it on on my social media channels. Gotta pump it when it comes out. Uh, we're we're really gonna need you guys to pump it up so that Netflix picks it up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that we can forego grad dra- graduate school. Yeah. So true. So true. Or at least pay the loans. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that that was a super cool process, and it was nice to have sort of like a a sounding board, um, sort of built in for for a lot of this. I mean, perhaps like even the the more useful thing, like the 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 dock thing is is cool, but it was actually very useful to have Hayes because it sort of forced reflection on how the the training process was going. It forced us to be very, very clear with a lot of our mapping, like and planning stuff early on, um, and you know, his became someone that you know you could just spit details at constantly. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's it was good to have sort of a third party. Yeah, and so. I, you know, I'd done, I've done the Dire Tiss move before, I've done the 48. There were a lot of 48 that you had not done coming into this. Is it, that's, yeah, that's so, very true. what was it like for you, you know, in the beginning stages of this process when we were just basically just, like, pouring over roots all the time? <laughs> like, you know, you're looking at these mountains like, oh, the tri-pyramids. I don't even know what those are, but we're, like, trying to figure out the best way to hit them. Like, how should I know that? I don't know. Like, what, what's your... Uh, what was your experience early on in our our process? I don't know. I I guess it sounds it sounds bad and unprepared, but I didn't really think about it. I I think I just sort of like accepted that I I wasn't gonna hit all of them mm-hmm. before um, before starting this because I don't know in when we started training for this I maybe hit like twenty four or something. Yeah. Um, and. So I, I really tried not to think about it because I knew that that was going to be... Um, I tried not to think about it in the early stages because I knew that that would potentially be a weakness. Yep. Um, I also knew that like, as we got closer, most of the stuff that I hadn't hit was going to be either at the very beginning or the very end. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of, I sort of felt okay about that. Because it would be like very likely that we're like together at the beginning, and then if I was going to be alone at the end, there would likely be pacers, or it was just a simple up and down. Um, sure. So it was less less convoluted directionally. Yeah. Um, but yes, it it was in my mind, and I tried not to think about it for a a lot of the training process. How like there was so much of this that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it, it turned out that even things that I'd gone over once before, I, you know, wasn't prepared to like do in the night. Sure. <laughs> yeah. The night's a different animal. It's a, it messes with you and we'll get to all that. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. So let's, let's talk about putting the team together a little bit because oh, yeah. like we had an enormous team without which like this wouldn't, we wouldn't have even got to the start line. It wouldn't have even been possible to, to try any of this. And I, I think, you know, discounting all of just the members of the White Mountains community supporting us, which, like, they should count as well, there were, I think, probably 12, maybe, thir- 12 core members of the support group. I'm going to try to get them all. Um, so for Pacers, there was Bilted... Deja Puda, uh, Ben Peterson, 
Andrew Drummond, Declan Kylie, and Jack Kunzel. Um, our primary support crew was uh, Chris Kiter and my dad, Eric Peterson. Um, Rick. Rick. <laughs> Big man Rick. <laughs> um, I, we had our two filmers, uh, Hayes Hart Thompson, Emma. Do you know her last name? Cool. Sure. <laughs> yeah. She's awesome. She jumped on, Emma jumped on the process like last minute. Hayes put out uh, an Instagram floater of like, does someone want to come to the White Mountains for four days and film these two goons running around? <laughs> and Emma, being a very cool person, just like signed on for it for some reason. So she's awesome. Um, that's 10. I had two more. Oh, right. Squall, of course. Right. He yes. was another pacer. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, I'd also toss Zach McCarthy in there because yes, he was, yeah. he, he couldn't join us physically because of his, uh, his ridiculous broken collarbone, <laughs> but he was, uh, he was, you know, giving updates from afar and, right you know, keeping stuff organized in the group chat. So, uh, yeah, that group of people was super instrumental to what we were able to do out there. Yeah, I mean, I I really think that if it if it had been like us and our dads out there, we both could have, uh, we both likely would have blown up, like day two, early day three. Like, yeah, well, I, I I don't know. I mean, you think about like how the bushwhacks went without Bill's hit. I don't know if I could have mentally pulled myself out of that hole. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll get to all that. But <laughs> su- suffice to say, our you know, everyone involved in making this happen outside of the two of us were, like, wildly important. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I've i thought about this a ton the last few days. Like, uh, we owe a massive debt of gratitude to, um, you know, e- each one of those guys. Yeah. Um, it was... Uh, it, it created a really special moment to, to share it with everybody. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, early stages were, were putting that team together... I think the first sort of chips for us to, to knock off were the support crew. And we, from the start, we wanted it to be uh, our dads. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of couple of businessmen right. that were stealing away from their business. <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, yeah, we, we approached our dads, asked if they would be willing to, you know, take some time off from work and... Uh, spend a few days in the mountains with us driving around and mixing infinite. Yeah, mixing white powder. Yeah, and they uh, for some reason said yes to it. Um, I think we guilted them, probably. At least I guilted Rick. You know? <laughs> it's like, if you if you love me, you'll do this. Right, sure. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so that, that they was, relented. They did relent. And then, um, and then it was just a matter of like texting everyone I know to... Right. To get together a support crew, and some of the people were dragged in pretty last minute. So like, um, I didn't even really know Jack Kunzel until a couple of weeks before this thing, and then um, I can't remember if he reached out to me independently or if Andrew Drummond connected us. But Jack was running the White Mountains 100, like four days before we were supposed to start. I think it was like two Wednesdays ago, and. Um, you know, I was like, they, they tossed out to me to like pace for them possibly, and or to pace for him rather. And I, you know, jumped on it, being like, one, this will be cool. Two, maybe I can drag this kid into pacing for us. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And so, like, that worked out, dragged Jack in, but then also, while I was dragging Jack in, I spent some time with Andrew Drummond and also dragged him in. <laughs> so, we, uh, you know, we had a decent support crew built up. Um, unfortunately, lost Zach to, uh, to the mountain biking gods <laughs> right before the project. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was kind of the way the crew came together. Um, you know, there were some obvious, like, Ben was going to send. Because, right. Because he's a, he's a sendy sender. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, same with Asia. He's always up for... Yeah, he was going to come out if he could. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, wise sage and elder statesman Bill Tid. Couldn't keep him off the trails. Oh, no. No. He, he I mean, didn't he call out of work on Monday just to do the flume section with us? I, I don't know. Yeah. He may have. We have moved things around in the in the business schedule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, so. Okay. So that's the team. That's the team. That's the team. We put it together. And now it's June, now and it's June. we're. Uh, I don't know. We can just skip to the start. June's not that exciting. Other yeah, than June's not exciting. Time. Other than the massive anxiety that we had about winter conditions in the. Oh White yeah, let's let's talk about two days before. <laughs> So, uh, so <laughs> start talking. I'm going to turn off the iPhone there. Sure. Um, so, we, you know, we were relentlessly checking the weather um, because we had sort of a target start date of June 18th, which was a Saturday. Um, and we were checking, 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 and it seemed like it seemed like the window was going to be – or I was checking. I, Will was trying to stay off of the weather apps. I was checking, and it seemed like we were going to have a good window, but as we got closer and closer, it looked like it was just going to be so, so cold Mm -hmm. on Saturday and Sunday a little bit, though Sunday, like, had a uh, lower chance of rain, Um, but we we were having huge anxiety in those last couple of days before because we were like... Geez, if we don't get it in in this window, starting like the 18th or 19th, we might have to push it like another another full week back, mm-hmm. just because like the end of this past week was lo- looked hairy too. It it seemed like we we had to start either the 18th or the 19th unless we wanted to push it back another seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ultimately, I think it was Thursday evening. Uh, so two days before, or the 16th, and we decided that we weren't going to start on Saturday. Well, we, it was when uh, it was when the final, or it was when the the, the higher high sun, summit's yeah. forecast finally came out for Saturday. Yeah, and, and it was predicting like up to a few inches of snow, 90 mile per hour plus gusts, and like zero to 10 degree wind chills. <laughs> right, and, and and we were still planning on doing the Franconia Ridge section first. Right, so this is something that people might not know if they just look at our Strava tracks. That route was not our original route, and, like, it was... We audibled into that route, like, 36 hours before we started. Yeah. <laughs> like, the original plan, if you look at, uh... If you look at what's labeled the big boy on my Strava, that whole section from Flume to, like... Willie Field Tom was supposed to be our day one. And then the presidentials, uh, the presidentials and the Wildcats were going to be day two. And then 
what you saw as our day one, aka like all the southern mountains like Kerrigan, uh, Tri-Pyramids, Osceola's, Hancock's, Tecumseh, that was all supposed to be day three. And then day four was supposed to be the reverse of what we, I ended up doing. Uh, so it was like day four was supposed to start in Moose Lock and end at Cabot instead of the other way around. But we, even though, like we called off Saturday and we decided, okay, like Sunday could theoretically work. We were saying we were going to plan on Sunday yeah. and let, until we saw something that really, you know, changed our minds. And unfortunately we did see something that changed <laughs> our minds, which was... Although there was no precipitation, there were still supposed to be 90 mile per hour gusts on Sunday, and our plan was to go up on Franconia Ridge first thing in the morning. Right. Which was not a good idea. So, um, you know, I just, I, I kind of like had the snap idea in my head of like, hey, what if we, you know, our third day right now is has essentially no, um, no exposed terrain in it aside from a few hundred yards on Signal Ridge Trail up Kerrigan. Yeah. So why don't we just stick day three at the beginning of this thing, run, you know, have day one be day two, have day two, day two be day three, and then just run day four in reverse. <laughs> and uh, we actually got on... We were on the horn with Bill Tidd. Yeah, this was a conference call. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, we ended up just deciding that that was a good call. Yeah, Will threw this idea, and we all just sort of sat there for twenty seconds, being like, "Huh, yeah, I suppose, uh, suppose that could that could do it." So, yeah, we still weren't a hundred percent sure about the conditions because I remember us we we were waffling even the morning of of like, ah, should we bring micro spikes on Kerrigan yeah. just in case there's some snow up there. Um, we absolutely did not need them. No, uh, it, it was gusting really hard on on Kerrigan. Oh um, yeah, at, at at the very top, but like, yeah, it, it was so tame. Yeah. Otherwise, no those those few hundred yards of exposure on on Signal Ridge Trail were like, like it was wind so hard that it was like, it's kind of difficult to move. So yeah. like, Franconia Ridge would have been an extremely bad idea. Right. Um, but I mean, on Kerrigan, we, we got through it in, you know, five total minutes of dealing with it. So yeah. it was, it was totally fine. And then the 30 excruciating seconds of climbing the summit tower, right. which was like, I think might've been coated in like a little bit of ice because yeah. it was just so slippery and, and also it was in the clouds. Wind. Yeah. It was in the clouds. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we got off on Kerrigan, um, should we just jump into actually doing it? Yeah, let's get into the yeah. effort. So, first things first, I went the wrong way. <laughs> like, the first two steps, I was like, oh, yep, the trail's, like, way off to the right instead of to the left. So that was brutal. Had to do some catch-up work in the first <laughs> in the first hundred yards of this thing. Yep. Um, but I actually felt like we were really, for being alone, we were really in control on, on Kerrigan. It was maybe a little bit fast, but it was also some of the cleanest trail that we, we dealt with. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was expecting us to sort of shoot out of the box with a couple really quick miles to start it out, mm -hmm. and we did not. Yeah. Uh, it was it was very much in control. Yeah, definitely. I think we did a really good job pacing ourselves up Kerrigan, um, just being, I, being cognizant of like what the day was going to look like. Yeah. So that was good. We were in good spirits. 
Yeah. Um, we were excited to, you know, the, even though it had poured rain and snowed up high the, the last day, like, the trails were actually quite dry. Yeah. Uh, probably because of the high winds. And so, like, that was a pleasant supply, surprise, but we, you know, we took it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The Kerrigan was, was fun because we would get further and further up and be like, huh. It's a lot better than I would have expected. Like, right? I the the trails are pretty dry, no ice, no no nothing. We were, so yeah, we, we were feeling great, and especially once we got back, um, we were going down and it was sort of below the short alpine zone section. I don't know. It was like we're we're in this. Yeah. We we've started. Day looks like it's gonna be good. Yep. Yeah, and like once we once we dealt with that one little section of exposure on Kerrigan, I felt massively confident because like one Kerrigan was the tallest mountain of the day, so right. like if there was going to be any snow, it was going to be on Kerrigan, and two, yeah, there was no more exposure. Yeah, so like we were going to be fine on the rest of the trails. So that was great, and like otherwise, it was perfect hiking weather. It was cloudy, cool. You know, you could feel the wind through the trees a little bit, but not too much. It yeah. was, you know, really no complaints about. <laughs> right. Yeah, and so after after Kerrigan, we did the, um, like, Passaconaway, Whiteface, Tri-Pyramids, sort of almost like a bubble. Uh, it's, it's a horseshoe. Not, a horseshoe, yes. Yeah. Um, and that we did that with Bill Tidd, uh, who was who really nice to have on, on that section, especially for me because I... I hadn't gone on Passa Conway or Whiteface. Mm-hmm. That was the like the perhaps like the the part of the whole thing that I was like the sketchiest about navigationally. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird little part navigationally. So yeah, it was good to have him, and plus that section was slightly too long for our. Uh, Xander and I can carry approximately five hours worth of fuel in our hydration packs at a time. Um, we use a company called Infinite, which is just a powder that we mix into our water. Um, but anyway, we can we can carry five hours worth of it at a time, and this section was supposed to take a little bit longer than five hours. So Bill uh, cameled a little bit for us, which yeah. was also super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that, that section was pretty smooth. Um, that was... I feel like that one was pretty textbook for how we had planned it out like on the flats I had jumped out ahead on on the the vicious climb you know up to Passa Conway you you got ahead yeah. but it was like no more than a couple minutes yeah um you know difference here and there um Kate Sleeper was it was annoying for me I had never been on the trail before uh-huh. it was like it was a smooth trail and not not very difficult moving yeah, it's you. You feel like Kate Sleeper should go faster than it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those trails in the whites that like is objectively good, good running or good hiking, but it's like too long for you to enjoy it. Sure. Right. You're just like, okay, I, I, I've, I've done my part. I've enjoyed doing this. It's time to move on. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the it's one of those traverse mountains. I put it in the same or traverse trails. Like I put it in the same category as like, you know, the Shoal Pond Trail or like Kilkenny Ridge. It's yeah. like connecting. I don't know. It's connecting four Ks. It's not like a it's not a main four K trail. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I will say this is one of the Whiteface and Passive Conway specifically were one of the weirder parts for me because I was having uh, you can get some some stomach uneasiness with infinite sometimes and usually it's just a matter of like your body switching over to being on liquid fuel and like right. accepting that that's what's happening to <laughs> it for the next four days <laughs> but uh, uh you know i felt pretty weird going up past the conway and then um you know I'd, I'd felt it before i knew that it was probably temporary and so like by the time we got to whiteface i was mostly fine and um and then we moved the hell on yeah yeah we did yeah and the tri-pyramids were pretty standard i felt like um yep we went down pine bend brook which was annoying <laughs> um yeah I know. but i mean it balances out it was really clean at the end yeah uh, but the rocky section was was horrifying uh but <laughs> our legs were like still still like fine enough for it to not be like yeah wow this truly sucks yeah. just just hated it a little bit no that's fair I remember us dumping on the trail quite a bit during yeah. that first little descent. Yeah. But otherwise, we were um, we were pretty fine. And Bill's just so chipper about everything. Yeah, he just time. loves being out there. Yeah. Um, all right, so we get down to the bottom of there, and you know, our I think our dads were even more on the ball with the, the resupplying than we like yeah, anticipated I them know. being. They were so fast. Yeah, it was basically, you know, it was basically we walk off the trail and walk straight into the car. Right, which is like what you write down on the on like the the sort of planning document. Yeah, expecting that it's not really going to happen. <laughs> right, but it happened, especially on those that first day when we had. Well, I I guess it may have happened on day four also, but um, the driving. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. And like they had, they just had like full packs. Like, Xander and I each had two hydration packs, so the plan was that our dads would, like, prepare the next pack while we were hiking, and then we would just, you know, we'd hand them an old pack, they'd hand us a new pack, and we'd be good to go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that stuff was, the transitions on day one were super smooth, and definitely... Yeah. Uh, they helped They helped us pick up some time. Yes. Uh, but, so we did Hancocks after that, yeah. with uh, Mr. Consistency. Absolutely. Phasia. Um, you know, Thasia has paced us before. Yeah. I feel like he kind of knows our vibe. He got us through the last 40 of the 100-mile wilderness last yeah. year. Um, so he's wicked strong. He's, you know, he's got an uphill motor that is second to none, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a monster. And that, that one went that went very smoothly, I felt. Like, we were pretty much... We're, we were connected the whole time. There weren't any big gaps that formed. No, the Han- Hancocks were super nice and uh, super nice and and smooth. I felt like, and we we're you know for most of day one, we were just in very good spirits. Like there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of chinks in the armor on day one. No, no, I think we both had a little bit of like indigestion at, at the start of the white face pass Conway yeah thing, but it sort of went away. The Hancocks went very smoothly. We were, we were we were dialed in on pace. It was almost like nothing to really write home about for the Hancocks because it was just like... That's what happens when you're with Asia. Yeah, exactly. It's just the miles click away. Yeah. Um, and he, he, keeps you, he keeps you talking about, uh, about bikes, about... Yeah. I don't know. What else did we talk about with him? Just so much. I feel like... Corporate we, America. Cor- yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love corporate America. Right. Um, yeah. Anywho, we get back, take the, the shortest drive of the entire thing, which is like one mile from the Hancock Notch Trailhead to the Greeley Pond Trailhead. Yeah. Um, and then uh, sent up the Osceolas. And Thasia also joined us for that section. Yeah. I also remember, 
I think I'm remembering this right. I'm pretty sure we got some sprinkles in the parking lot. We did, yeah. Greeley Pond, and so we were like, eh. Yeah, we didn't love that. Didn't love that, but it, it didn't materialize to anything. No. Um, yeah, Osceola's, you know, it was more consistent climbing, so I think you jumped out to um, a little bit of a... There are also, like, some there. real steep sections. Yeah. Are kind of my advantage yeah. areas. Um, so there are, like... But again, I, if I understood what was happening correctly, like at the top of the first one, it was like two minutes maybe, yeah. and then and then we were up there, so yep. you can use the break. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, the, yeah, the Osceola's, it started to get dark on our way down. Yeah, um, yeah and Thasia turned around at the second yeah. peak because his car was back at the Greeley Pond Trailhead. And then neither of us had actually gone down to Thornton Gap before. I did. I had on the. Oh. Uh, I had on the diartessima, but it was long ago. Right. So but was, we didn't have like a ton of. Uh, we didn't have a ton of like numbers to tell us like. We didn't really know how far it was. We didn't really know how low it was. Yeah, the Osceolas are a weird one, and it seems like there's there's always such a disconnect from what I see on people's watches to like what is on the maps. Yeah. It always shows like. It shows, like, well over seven on the maps, and, like, I feel like it always shows up as, like, Low near six. six and a half on, on watches, which is just strange. Yeah. So we didn't know what to expect, but we, uh... Yeah. But thankfully, on the way down, it's, like, relatively clean trail, so we, we moved quite well yep. going down and dealt with our, our first, you know, nighttime stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It got dark really quick. I... We have different philosophies when it comes to when to put the headlamps on. <laughs> Xander's very much like, oh, it's like getting dark. I'd rather put the headlamp on a little bit early so that, you know, I don't break myself, <laughs> like I would assume. And then, like, my philosophy is I will not put the headlamp on. Like, I hate night hiking with a burning passion. And so my philosophy is I will not put the headlamp on until, like, Essentially, until I can't see anything anymore. <laughs> like, if I can make out the shadows of the roots on the ground, I'm not putting my headlamp <laughs> on. Which is ridiculous, but... Right. Yeah. Uh, so that section went fine. Then it was then we did a short drive over to Tecumseh. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty fine. I remember Will being upset at the end because we came in at, like... Our average pace for four and a half miles was, like, 24 minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah, and Will was absolutely livid that we were <laughs> that we were slower than two and a half miles per hour. Listen, pace. at the time, what was going through my head was, "Oh man, if we're dipping under, if we're dipping under our conservative paces at the end of day one, like how's it going to look on day? Th like I, I was assuming that that like we had just lost our conservative pace and we were never going to catch it again." <laughs> Which was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, but I, to be fair, I was also like forty-six miles in, <laughs> right? So, and I, and it was like eleven o'clock at night, so I was tired. <laughs> right, uh, and then we 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 got out to Kamsah. Will was screaming and crying about that. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Um, and we drove to the Osceola Vista campground, and this is one of the, the sort of wrinkles of uh, of swishing the route around. Yeah. Was that we wanted to plan on like four hours of sleeping, and ideally that would mean like that would mean five hours or less off trail. You yeah. know, eat, change, use the turlet, 
sleep for four hours, and then get moving the next day. Yep. Well, because we switched it around, we were either going to have to do a 40-minute drive to the basin at the end of day one, so after Tecumseh, or we were going to have to do it at the beginning of day two. Yep. Um, and we sort of hadn't really thought, we didn't have the time to think through it fully. But so we got there, we ate, and it took us a, a decent amount to like eat. Yeah, um, it was pretty slow. And then we slept for four hours, and Will slept for far less. Yeah, my my dear sweet brother. So my, my dad had to work on um, on Monday. So Eric supported me for Monday uh, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then on Monday, my brother Ben uh, filled in for him as my primary support crew. Uh, Love Ben to death. Did a great job supporting me, but also set up his tent three feet away from mine and snored. And I absolutely cannot sleep when people are snoring. And so, I, like, even though I had just done forty-seven miles and I was exhausted, I just like laid there awake in my tent. <laughs> it was horrifying. Uh, but. Yeah, this is this is a wrinkle because you're so far away from where you're starting day two, um, and so we ended up taking almost six hours, like off trail. Yeah, I mean we 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 finished to come at eleven ten and we started Flume at five, so we were off the trail for five hours and fifty minutes, which is which was too way slow. Too long. Right, if if. If you're going to go out and try to do what we did again, I like that would be a place like to to switch something around. Definitely. Um, yeah. Because I think it would have been easier to try to like that would, could have been a night to make a bed like Rick made for you on on day four in the car, and you just you sleep in the car like as you drive up to the basin, well, so you don't eat so much time. Or I think. I really don't think that anyone, at that time of night, I really don't think anyone would care if you just pitched a tent at the bottom of Waterville Valley Ski Area. Yeah. So, like, you know, we we ended up taking, um, you know, we ended up going south through Waterville and then out to the highway that way instead of going up Tripoli Road. Um, so... The Osceola Vista campground was actually in the opposite direction of where we needed to go. Yeah. So, like, I think we could have just set up... Honestly, I think we could have just set up tents somewhere in that ski area parking lot. It's mostly dirt. And then, um, you know, been in bed by... You know, been in bed by 11.45. Right. Um, been up at 3.45 and been on trail by 4.30. Right. So... Yeah, there were places to pick up time, but like in the, in sort of the rush to just get the route in a way that we felt comfortable about, I, I suppose you're probably going to give up time somewhere, and and we gave up like forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah, there. No, that's fair, and yeah, things aren't going to go perfect, and just like, this route is not quick enough yet that everything has to go perfect for you to get it you know there's some there's there's a little bit of wiggle not a whole lot but there's a little bit of wiggle room yeah um which we definitely took advantage of with that debacle (laughs) uh but speaking of debacles let's talk about the first half of date (laughs) right uh so getting up flume slide once again joined by the uh the elder statesman bill tid so we were in so Day two was supposed to be a 50-mile day, 
with zero road crossings. And so our, our support crew had to hike into the Galehead hut and then the Zealand hut to resupply us. Um, but it was like 20 miles from the base of Flume to the, to the Galehead hut. And we thought that was going to take us approximately nine hours, which is four hours more than our fuel carrying capacity. Um, therefore, we, we had built to carry essentially two and a half liters each of extra infant for us. Man was an absolute camel. <laughs> yeah, and he, I mean, he, he kept up. He was, he was cooking, and he loved it. He, yeah. He loved it. Man loved it. He, he took the Liberty Springs trail up. It might have been dangerous for him to go flume slide with, like... Yeah. It would have been dangerous to just... I doubt he would have been able to count up with us. Yeah. Uh, but going up flume slide was pretty pretty smooth. You went... I, I jumped ahead to start. Yeah. You you caught me on the steep climb. And then yeah. you caught me by Liberty. It was, right. like, exactly how you'd think it. Like, our whole thing is that Xander's a runner. I'm a hiker. And so, like, what generally what happens when we do stuff like this together is that uh, Xander's faster on flats, moderate ups, and moderate downs. And I'm faster on steep ups and steep downs. And so, yeah... It, exactly how you'd think on flume like it starts with a moderate up xander jumps ahead uh and then it gets to the really steep stuff on the flume slide so i catch up and jump ahead and then like once we gain the franconia ridge like it's mostly moderate between flume and liberty and so he just like reels me back in yeah it works perfectly yeah that was that was pretty smooth i was a little bit nervous about our pacing but flume slide really like there's no way to take it really fast not like not without burning yourself yeah and so but we we came through pretty fine and like a a pace that i felt all right about i mean um, we still got up like we summited flume in like an hour and 42 minutes yeah <laughs> still yeah. fine yeah it was it was pretty good it was slower than you than you did it last year yes you, but i started definitely did it too fast yeah last year uh and so we met bill at the liberty springs trailhead uh, or trail junction with the Franconia Ridge Trail. Yep. Um, and then we we did the ridge, and I feel feel like the ridge went went smoothly, and we were we were more or less connected the whole time. Yeah. There, there were no big jumps ahead. No, no, we were mostly right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, the ridge was super smooth. Uh, you know, the clouds had cleared by today. It was like it was a bluebird day. No clouds in the sky. Still like fairly windy, but not. Uh, you know, not dangerously so anymore. Just like, oh, wow, like, this is a little bit windy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's insightful. Yeah. No, it was. It was a little chilly, a little windy, but, like, very very much in the, like, normal range of conditions. Yeah. And we also noted that the wind was going southeast, so, like, we knew once we were on the uh, the, the Lincoln slide that we'd be covered from the wind, so yeah. that was good. Um, but, yeah, so the Lincoln slide... This is something that I had never done before. Yes, yeah, so this this 20-mile section includes two bushwhacks, uh, the first of which is essentially there's there's a bump between Lincoln and Lafayette. I've heard people call it North Lincoln before. I don't know if that's correct, but um, there's a bushwhack that goes essentially from that bump all the way to uh, the Lincoln Brook Trail. Lincoln Brook Trail, I think. Uh Franconia Brook? One of the two. Yeah. Um, over by Owl's Head. Yeah. 
Um, and basically it follows, you follow this large slide for quite a while, and then you follow the drainage for the slide for quite a while, and then eventually you bail off into the woods to the south and just pick your way through until you find the trail. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Xander's first bushwhack, very exciting. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in the whole grand scheme of things, it went fine, it went smooth, it just felt slow. Yeah, um, I, so this was one of my questions for you, like, uh, what what part of it was slow? Was it the part where we're picking through the woods or the part more up top when you're, you're sort of making your way down the slide? No, I think, it was, I think it was more picking down the slide, which makes sense because it's like loose rocks and you kind of have to be careful, especially if you've yeah. never been on that kind of terrain before. And then like by the time we got to the woods below, I was just like trying to go faster to make up that time. Mm. And so then like I, like, I think we went... A fine pace during that the wood section i think i was just trying to push it yeah um but overall i think it was fine i don't think that that, that bushwhack was a little bit slower yes than it should have been yeah but it was like but it didn't go horribly no <laughs> and so yeah we get to the bottom of of this bushwhack uh, our feet are soaked because that's part right. of the name of the game is that like you when you follow the drainage for the slide like it turns into a, a brook with very thick vegetation on either side and so you cannot avoid soaking yourself yeah um, <laughs> which apparently Xander didn't know coming in no I, I thought that he was just talking about how like the Garfield Ridge Trail becomes a a stream yeah <laughs> but no I was I was dunking my feet that's alright there, there, yeah so this is this is part of the the game where it's like I really like, though I had signed up for this and planned so much of it, just simply the act of not doing so many of these these trails or mountains, right? you know, it catches up with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so we get down, uh, we get to the Owl's Head herd path. I almost overrun it, but yeah. didn't. There was a group of people. I forget the guy's name. He followed me on Instagram and messaged me, but... Nice guy. Uh, we saw him on Washington the next day. Yeah. You might not have noticed him. <laughs> I did notice him, actually. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but they're... Uh, Between my tears. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, anyway, we took our... At the bottom of the Owl's Head herd path, we, we took our extra infinite from Bill um, that he had cameled there so graciously for us. Yeah. And then we uh, trucked up the, uh, the Owl's Head. How was your first experience on Owl's Head? The Owl's Head climb I thought was fine. It was another it was another steep climb, but I actually thought that we took the climb decently well. We we motored up it fine. Yeah. We didn't we didn't burn ourselves by any means. We didn't fly up it, but yeah. I felt like the climb was another like steep s- steep yeah. climb. Yeah, I felt like, like we did it very consistently. Yeah. It was good. good the, the the tension was rising. It it felt like for us like you could sort of sense some frustration, yeah, like starting to set in. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. Um, which culminated, I think, during this next section. Yeah, um, which was our second and final bushwhack from the top of Owl's Head to Thirteen Falls Ten Site. So, for anyone who's looking to do this bushwhack in the future, what you're supposed to do is follow the very gradual ridge line to the northeast. No, to the northwest. Yeah. (laughs) To the northwest that essentially brings you to, like, the height of land on that trail that goes all the way around Owl's Head. I forget if it's Franconia 
Brook Trail or Lincoln Brook Trail or whatever. Um, I was trying, so I was in front, I was trying to navigate, and um, I was basically just looking at the Tabo map on my watch and saying, saying, okay, we're following the ridge line, we should be good. Little did I know, I was following the ridge line to the northeast, which I didn't, even, I didn't realize there was a second ridge line off the top of Val's head, mm-hmm. um, but that's just stupidity on my part. And so, as we kept going down this ridge line, I was like, I'm following the ridge line, like, why are we going in the wrong direction? And so I, I just, like, kept following this ridge line and kept getting, like, more and more frustrated that we didn't seem to be going the right direction. Um... And eventually we just started, you know, cutting through the woods to the north because, you know, we needed to go in the right direction. And yeah. I was like, I, I, at this point I was just like fuming. <laughs> I was yeah. like so mad because we were in this very steep, very thick, very wet area of woods. Um, and I was just like totally beside myself. I was like, you know, I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't read my watch correctly. I couldn't navigate correctly. And eventually I was just like, all right, like one of you needs to take the lead here. Cause like, I am not in the headspace to, to figure this out right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then I took, I took the, took the lead and, uh, intrepidly stomped through a swamp that could have <laughs> easily been avoided, <laughs> but it was nice to like do something. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, I we we found like some potentially like old logging roads that made it slightly easier, but for the most part, it was just clear that like nobody had like really tried going through here before, or yeah. there w- there weren't like obvious signs. Yeah. Of so it it felt like we were sort of picking away at it ourselves, and it just it just took it took a really really long time. It did, and Bill was Bill was really important because I would just sort of take the easiest path forward no matter whether it was like northeast or northwest and he would like from the back be like we need to go west we need to go east yeah uh like and so that was that was important but it gave me like a directive (laughs) and and once i had that directive i was like i am just going to move however i can yeah and that that meant that I fell in a in a few crevices and like probably narrowly escaped. Sure. Like amputating my leg, <laughs> like. Uh, but it was it was fine. I was getting frustrated too because I was like, "This is taking so long." I can sense that this is not what we planned to do. Yeah. Uh, and then at the very end. We were. Will was looking at his map, and he was like, "the The trail is eight hundred feet this way, and we try. We would try to go that way, but it would just become sort of impassable, and we'd have to sort of switch directions, and we'd make up more time. And then he'd be like, "The trail is five hundred feet that way." Yeah. If you guys look at, uh, if you guys look at our Strava track on that day, you'll see. Like, if you zoom in to, right to the end of that bushwhack, you'll see that we were just parallel like we were right next to the trail for quite a while and we were just paralleling it and couldn't yeah. get over to it it was so frustrating like like they bill and xander were like 
you know, talking to each other, getting, like, figuring out the directions via the sun and, like, yeah. figuring out the way through the woods. And I was just, like, follow. I was just bringing up the rear, just, like, shouting obscenity my <laughs> breath. I was so bullshit. Right. Well, and then we both thought that the trail was going to come before the brook crossing. Um, like, we were going to mm. hit the, And then it was... It was after the brook crossing. Yeah. And so we were like, no, we don't need to cross the brook. We don't need to cross the brook. And Bill was like, why don't you guys just cross the brook and see what, <laughs> see, see what happens? <laughs> why don't you guys just cross the brook? <laughs> and naturally, you know, he's the, he's the wise elder statesman. Statesman, We cross the brook and there's the trail. Yeah, it's like right across yeah, the brook. like a god damn it. <laughs> so, so we get to the other side of the brook and I just sit down on the trail. Yeah. I like... So dejected. And right now we're about, we're like 40 minutes behind where we ought to be. Yeah. Or where, where we planned But it felt like hours. Yeah. It felt like hours and it felt like we had just like poured our heart and soul into this section and gotten absolutely fucking nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, but you didn't take too long sitting down. No, I might've sat down for like 10 or 15 seconds before... I, I forget whether it was you or Bill who said, like, hey, man, like, get up. Let's keep our legs moving. Yeah. I don't know. But, but we did keep our legs moving, and we kept the waterworks moving. Uh, both of us were crying, yeah. like, as we passed 13 Falls and sort of on the way up. Yeah. So we were – the first, like, 10 minutes or so after we had gotten back on trail were just, like, completely silent. Yeah. Xander and I were both quietly crying. <laughs> and then um, – yeah, I could I could just feel myself mentally spiraling and you know, I I I felt it going going to a bad place and you know, the mental part is so important to all this. So, I tried to speak up and I was like, you know, I I I need some sort of mental redirection because I'm having a very hard time uh shaking the idea that I just cost us this whole thing. I, I didn't re- like I didn't say it that well because I was crying. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, but Bill comes Bill comes from the back and he's like, guys, like I had a great time, and like <laughs> and and based on my model, you guys are gonna be, you guys are gonna be just fine. Like, yeah, Bill Bill had run a different model than us. Um, you know, basically plotting out what we had what we had to hit for different sections. You know, to to beat the record given a certain amount of sleep and he was like guys i've plotted out 11 hours for the um the basin to galehead hut section yeah right you're gonna come in under that you're gonna be fine mm-hmm. and that was so i think that was sort of what we needed to hear i don't think that either of us were like okay we can we can go 11 hours for this <laughs> Right. Um, but that sort of got us talking about, okay, what does this look like to come back from this? Yeah. Um, and thank, like, and thankfully the trail like sort of allowed us to do that. It's this like moderate up, right? So we're, we're sort of able to talk and it's not super technical. And um, we just sort of talked about, you know, what the next like three days were going to look like mm-hmm. based on what just happened. And, and we, we came out to it like there was still a path forward. There was still a path forward. Yeah. And then then we realized that, of course, you know, we had only nine hours of fuel and it looked like it was going to take us about ten hours. Yeah. And then Bill, the hero, you know, comes back and he's like, guys, I've got some extra infinite. I will mix it 
yeah. Garfield Spring. I'm fairly sure that he brought extra infinite, assuming that we were gonna get tanked at some point. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was it was heroic. Like, it, if we don't have that fuel, yeah, right, or if we have to go to to like the, our backup fuel, like we we each had a couple of gels in our pack. Mm-hmm. But if we had to go to that, you know, that's maybe there's a a massive amount of you know, digestive distress that comes with it. And, but he, he allowed us to just stay on the infinite train, whatever flavor he uses. And we need, we still need to figure well, that we out. Need, we need to talk to him about this. That was <laughs> disgusting. Right. I don't know if it's the flavorless version of infinite or like the closest thing I could come up with was coconut. Yeah. But like, I think it might've been the flavorless and it was terrible. Uh, it was like, Infinite dry mouth is a thing where like your 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 tongue and mouth feel really dry sometimes if you're on infinite, but like it really depends on the flavor and it depends on like how well hydrated you are. Like this, whatever he gave us sucked all of the <laughs> hydration straight out of your mouth and made it feel like your tongue was a piece of sandpaper. Yeah, <laughs> it was truly horrifying. Yeah, um, but it kept us. Yeah, kept us ahead of the chains, kept carbohydrates flowing through our system. Right. And and because of that, like Garfield, which I think I had at least been like relatively nervous about. Like Yeah, it felt fine. Garfield was 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 fine and we maybe made a couple minutes back on like what we what we were planning on. Yeah. And I think another point to point out here is like this was I think this was around the point where we decided that uh, it would no longer be a 50-mile day. It was going to be a 45-mile right, day. Right, that was part of the contingency, yes. We decided to cut hail. Yeah, so we, rather than doing it out and back from the Zealand hut on the Lendahan Trail, we were going to cut hail and slap it on day four and then just, like, make up the time by short sleeping. Which we've talked about a few times since then. And if you start at 5 a.m., like... And you're doing this in like a 48 style. You're not just sort of like running through it. Yeah, like you're you're keeping gas in the tank for the next day. Right. I just don't know. Like things have to go perfectly for you to be able to tack on hail. I yeah. I think if everything went absolutely perfectly, which I don't think it. I don't think you can even really expect on that section. Yeah. You might be able to finish by 1 a.m. But you're probably looking more at two realistically. Yeah. And it's like, do you want to start at two? Or do you want to, like, get done at two? I don't think so. Like, not if you... Ha- Maybe if it was day three. Right. But... But it's not. But it's, it's not. day two. Yeah. <laughs> so, we we don't know how, like... If, if the next person who tries the 48 tax on hail, that will be... It would be heroic. We also... Uh, if anyone out there wants to do, you know, the basin to... Crawford Notch and hit all 17 mountains and make an FKT route called the Pemi 17. That would be dope. Yeah, That'd I think be an absolutely sick route. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool. Um, but so Garfield was fine. We hit Galehead. Had the had the resupply. We took a little bit longer there, I think. Um, but we needed to because we had to change shoes. Yep. Um, and we, we sort of completed our mental reset because I felt like once we left the Galehead hut and like hit Galehead and went up to South Twin, we were pretty much back like in the game mentally. Yeah. Back to sort of like pretty much neutral. Well, I remember when we were up, when we were up on that ridge line with Ben up on Twinway, like we were even to the point where we were kind of like joking around about how horrible the bushwhack went and like yeah. having a laugh about it. So 
like the mental, I don't even think we realized it at the time, but the mental turn was quite stark. Right. <laughs> like we were in a much better space. Yeah. We were kind of like back to business as usual. It um, took like two or th- two to three hours to get there. Yeah. But I mean, but in the grand scheme of things, I mean, that's like not not terrible. Yeah, definitely. We stayed in the game for that. Yep. Yeah. So in terms of pacing, Bill Bill parked his car at the basin, even though we offered to shuttle him mm-hmm. <laughs> because he's a monster. And he he just, wanted to double dip on Franconia. He Ridge. absolutely did. Um, so he left us at the top of Garfield to continue on back to his car, and then. We hiked alone from Garfield to Galehead, and then uh, from the Galehead hut onward, uh, my through-hiker brother, Penn Betterson, who's also a friend of the podcast, yeah, he, is. Uh, he joined us um, for a few miles there. Yeah. Um, yeah, he joined us for Galehead Mountain. He climbed South Twin with us, which was our last... South Twin also felt really good to me, because yeah, it, it was did. like... It didn't feel horrible, and it, we knew it was the last yeah. brutal climb of the day. No, we, we handled those climbs very well in the, in, on the second day. Because we had planned on them the whole time. We were like, these four climbs are absolutely vicious. Yes. The, the four we had starred on, on day two were uh, the Flume climb, the Owl's Head climb, the Garfield climb, and the South Twin climb. And yeah. we said, like, we don't care how much time we give up on those climbs. Like, just keep your legs moving, be comfortable, and we'll be fine. We'll make it up on the back end. Right. And and the reality was we didn't give up very much time on any of them. Yeah, no, we didn't. Um, and so then then the next section is is a pretty nice section. Yeah. You've got the out and back to North Twin, which is pretty flat. And then you have um, Twin Way over to Gio, which also is like another one and three quarters miles of pretty clean flat trail um and then i thought that we did the bonds pretty well too um yeah the the bonds were the i felt like the bonds went fine it was a beautiful time of day um i think we both kind of you know on our on our way down from bond to bond cliff we were both just kind of like, this is bullshit. This, <laughs> this descent is stupid. Yeah, and then I took like a non-strategic pee. I, I, I had been trying to like pee or like switch layers on places where I was going to be able to like uh, have good trail to catch up to you gotcha. with. Like yeah. pretty clean, more or less flat trail. Yeah. Um, but I like peed right near Bond Cliff, like, right before the big climb back up. So sure. so you, you jumped ahead over to, to West Bond, uh-huh. and I think you were, you were a couple, you had a couple minutes on me at the top of West Bond. Yeah. Um, but by, I feel like by the time, essentially by the time we got back to, like, by the time we got done the West Bond spur, we, we were, were yeah. together again. Yeah. Um, um, and then, so we headed over to Zealand. That yeah. also went smoothly. Totally yeah, fine. went fine. Uh, then, between between Zealand and the Zealand hut was was a fateful occurrence that I did not know was going to have so many repercussions. Yeah, but um, there there's a section after Zealand, it's where it's still pretty flat. You're sort of still running the ridge. Um, there there's a, a ton of boardwalks there, but. For one of them, the boardwalk is like very sunken in to like the trail okay. at that point. And I I was sort of coming around a slight bend and didn't see it because, you know, the, the boardwalk is so 
is so sunken in. And usually when that happens, I try to go to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I put my, my left foot on the side of the boardwalk and, and crunch the ankle a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. Like it didn't, it didn't even break my stride at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, Oh, that, that hurts. But if that's the, the worst thing that I have, that's, that's totally fine. And I kept moving and, you know, we, we got down to Zealand in about, you know, I don't know. I think I got in like a minute after you. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. again makes sense cause it's a pretty steep descent. Down it there. is. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had a pretty, we got to Zealand right before it got dark. So I don't think we had to put headlamps on before we got to Zealand, yeah. but we put headlamps on leaving the Zealand hut. Yeah. Um, and we we get into this like essentially a standing ovation, which was so weird. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like neither of us had the capacity to like process it at the time. Yeah, or not. I mean, we could process it, but we, not like appreciate it. You know, right. um, that these people had taken time out of their day to come cheer us on. So that was super cool. If any of you were at the Zealand Hut, uh, know that we appreciate it. We yeah, just like, it was a, that was a cool moment. Too. It was a cool moment for us. We were just in the zone at the time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we got our. We got our quick resupply there, and then uh, headed off into the dark for uh, for night number two. Right. Which is night number two, coincidentally, in like one of my least favorite places <laughs> to night hike. I I feel like well, first I took like a wrong turn for maybe one tenth of a mile down um, down. Uh, the Ethan Pond Trail because yeah. I thought I for some reason in my head I thought that um, that the path over to Crawford Notch was the AT which it was not yeah um, and so like we went on Ethan Pond Trail for a second I was like wait this is way too nice yeah and I was like all right we gotta turn around and go to the A to Z Trail because we should be on bullshit trail right yeah. now <laughs> so we absolutely hoofed it like yeah back uh, hopped on the A to Z Trail yeah and. The the oh. the gradual climb went fine, but it it just takes so long. It's, it's it's another one of those things like Kate Sleeper. It's so thick. It's so repetitive. There's just like these one-off boardwalks in the yeah. middle of freaking nowhere that don't go over any water. They're just there for some yeah. reason. Like, I told Xander, I feel like especially at night, like the A to Z trail makes me feel like I'm in purgatory. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It was it was tough. I I didn't feel quite that bad about it, but it did feel like it was really hard to feel like you were making progress. Yeah, because you just weren't gaining very much elevation. Mm-hmm. Like the mileage is going at a fine pace, but like it's like if you were going much faster, you'd be burning your legs out. Right. Um, yeah. And then so we we none of these mountains really feel their tom I had hit before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had the, a pretty steep climb up to sort of the, what is it, the the range trail or something, or the Mount Tom Spur. It was the Mount, yeah, the first was the Mount Tom Spur. Um, and I remember being super annoyed that the, the, the spur seems to sort of spiral around the summit. Oh, it, do, it doesn't spiral around the summit, but it's just like, it just, there's a ton of uh, switchbacking. Okay. It feels like it's... I know. It feels like you're just, like, walking in circles, yeah. especially in the dark. Um, but, yeah, very annoying. Yeah. I'm, I'm... You know what? I'll say it. I'll say it. The people are going to be mad at me. Willowfield and Tom might be my least favorite 4,000-footers in the entire White Mountains. I've just, like... Boom. Boom. Put it here first. Yeah. Hot takes. 
Sue me. Take away my FKT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're dumb mountains. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was... That one was annoying. And I remember you were... You were, again, starting to get a little bit frustrated about pacing. Yeah. Uh, and... But I kept trying to tell you that it was less mileage than you think it is. Yeah. Like, to get to the end. And... But in, in any case, we hoofed it over... What's the next one? Uh, field. Field. Is yeah. And so field went fine. Yep. Uh, or, yeah, it went fine. We we moved pretty well over it, and, like, there's no, like, super brutal summit ascent. No. Um, yeah, mostly gradual. But then we were annoyed about, uh, about Willie. Yeah, Willie, it just seems like there are all these up and downs before the summit. Yeah. So, like, you're, like, 100 feet away from, like, what the summit elevation should be, but then you gain 50 feet and then lose 70 feet and then repeat that 10 right. times. And especially at night, that's... Yeah. That's terrible. It feels yeah, bad. right, because you can't see anything. Yeah. You can't... Like, I feel like during the day, you'd be able to see well ahead of time that, like, that's not the top. Right, right. It's all about, like, one of the big things that I felt like I learned about this is it's all about expectation management. Absolutely. Like, that is... That... Dude, yeah, and that's absolutely. why that's why I keep my expectations in the dirt. <laughs> I, I, I imagine that every mountain is going to be the worst thing ever, and when it's slightly better than that. <laughs> no, I mean, fair enough. I I just wish I had like the numbers, you know. Right. Or like just just a note saying like Willie has, you know, a bunch of quick up and downs. Don't hate yourself when you're. <laughs> Yeah, it's enough. not your fault. And so that brings us to we uh we debated whether to go back over uh field and take the Avalon Trail down to Crawford Notch or whether to descend the south side of Willie. And we descended we ended up deciding, you know, like way before we started the effort, we decided like, you know, screw it, let's just get down Willie. Yeah. And I told you I told you that the descent off Willie is essentially a wooden staircase built into the side of a cliff that's essentially like a few degrees away from being a ladder. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. Uh, again, this was not a trail that I had been on. Yeah. And it was uh, it was annoying for sure. Yeah, it's just tough when you're, 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 you're doing it at night. You know, you, you're 40 plus miles in. You'd only slept a few hours last night. You're exhausted, and you're in an absolute no-fall zone. Like, if you fall, you're dead. I think what made it harder for me was that we were done with the mountains for right. the day. Yeah. I was like, this, this fucking sucks. <laughs> right. Like, I am done with the mountains. I should just sleep here. Like, <laughs> right. Like, this is, this is terrible. Um, even though you know you have the Ethan Pond Trail, which is, like, very, very clean yeah. at the end. Um, however, we did get through it and like got through it with pretty much no, no issues. I had a couple, a couple slips, but not on the ladder section. Yeah. And like sort of the, I, I hate it when they seem to fill in trails with like gravel. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> because I, as a runner, I'm trying to cut it up. Nah. <laughs> and so that, that always means that the, that the gravel moves and I end up making scary noises right you know right and then i have to look back yeah but i can't i like i don't even know why i'm looking back i can't see anything because it's the night <laughs> yeah uh we did get down though and we got we got down to the ethan pond trail 
we made up a, a bit of time on the Ethan Pond Trail. Yeah. Um, and then it was, it was a little less mileage than I thought it was going to be down to the, the Willie House yeah. station parking lot. It wasn't that. We were done. Is where we ended the second day. Yeah. We were done by 12.30? Yeah, we were done before 12.30. Yeah. So a few minutes before. This night was much more was much smoother. Yeah. Um we, you know, we ate a little bit and then pretty much got right to bed. Yeah. Um and uh we decided that we wanted to stick with the five AM start time. Yeah. Um so we slept for three and a half hours is what is the number that we had come yeah. up with that we were gonna wake up at like I think we ended up being in bed by one fifteen. Yeah, and then we were gonna. Yeah, we we're gonna be in bed by one fifteen, and then wake up at four forty-five. Yeah, and we both woke up at four forty-five, which I, I think officially we we had told our dads to wake us up at like four fifty. Yeah, but we were both awake and like out of our tents at four forty-five, like you know, strapping on the armor for the next day. It was really impressive. Like that, I'll say it. I've said it before. I'll say mm-hmm. it again. That was the best three and a half hours of sleep I've ever gotten in my life. I don't know why. Yeah. But it felt so good. Yeah. No, we were both rested and like, I felt like we both we both woke up that next day feeling like ready to go. Like, yeah. let's get after it. Yeah. So it did end up being slightly more than, uh, slightly later than five. You know, we are my dad. Chris started taking down camp, and my dad Eric brought us over to um, the Webster Jackson Trail, where we met up with um, noted Hoka salesman <laughs> and uh, Ski the White's god, right. Andrew Drummond. Yeah, yeah. And he was wearing a pretty sweet, like one of those collared tech shirts with like the Ski the White's logo on Dude, it. Dude, he loves that shirt. And I was like, that's that's pretty cool. I know. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, so we started a little bit after 5. Yeah, it was 5.15. Uh, yeah. So, not bad. No. Um, um, so, at this point, your ankle's still fe- feeling fine, right? Like, it hasn't... Yeah, at, at, at the start of day 3, ankle is feeling is feeling pretty fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're also doing a lot of climbing, and that was the, that was the easier thing for the ankle. Yeah, yeah, climb. for sure, for sure. Um, so... Yeah, I felt like we we worked our way up Jackson very Another smoothly. mountain that I hadn't done. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was the only Prezi that you hadn't done. That, well, it's not a Prezi, but like, it was only one in that range. In that range. I mean, isolation too, but... So that's not in the range. It doesn't yeah. count. Um, but yeah, we worked our way up Jackson. It felt fairly smooth, I feel like. Yeah. We were just like chatting with Drummond, you know. Um, felt like it was like good conversation. He was keeping our minds off of... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was pretty clean. The climb up to, I I was a little bit nervous about the climb past Mitzvah up to Pierce. Okay. But it sort of, I mean, it went fine. I think it was shorter than I than I remembered it being. Yeah. So, uh, we felt pretty good about that. And then then you're on the ridge. Then you've gained the ridge. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also like, uh, the weather once again was was very much cooperating for yeah. us. It was actually supposed to be a bit hotter uh, than was predicted, but um, but no real precipitation chance. Going to be a little bit cloudy, and um, yeah, it was a beautiful day to be in the Prezies, yeah, for sure. it was good. Very low wind. Eisenhower went went totally fine. Yep. Uh, and then 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 Andrew got. So I, I worked in a in a run shop in San Francisco for a year, mm-hmm. and Andrew roped me into a conversation about about the intricacies of selling selling shoes and selling hokas. 
uh, which uh, I think may have gotten me more animated than I should have been, but uh, that's all right. That's all right. You were into it. I was you into, into it. it. You were passing the time. Uh, you couldn't feel your ligaments right. deteriorating. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but again, this is another one of those sections where... Um, you know, our next resupply from our crew was going to be at the top of Washington, which was like, I want to say 18 miles in or yeah, something was... like that. So we, uh, we had Andrew carry some extra infinite for us. And while we climbed Monroe, he jumped ahead to Lake of the Clouds Hut and mix us some infinite. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we hustled down there, um, got the infinite from him and then um kind of kept pushing on to isolation yeah it was like, a quick stop at, at lake of the clouds yeah um, and i feel like this is kind of where it like we were together on the camel trail and then then to, i stopped to pee and then, then that was you, basically the last time we hiked together yeah um and it wasn't like you were you were far off i was doing a no. a, a bit of watch checking yeah and you know, it would be like four minutes, like, for you to pass something and then for me to pass something. Yeah. Um, and then once we got out to isolation, it was like pretty. I don't know. I I, t- I had taken that down to like maybe one or two minutes. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, the way out to isolation, I. It was a long stretch, and it was it was a stretch I was I was looking forward to because it was a lot of moderate descent. Yeah. Um, but I just sort of started to feel like my my left leg was not responding in the way that it ought to mm-hmm. on this trail and but I, I hadn't really put the pieces together yet all I all I knew was that I was like I, I don't have a ton of pop right now to to run okay and I sort of thought that that was odd but I was I was doing I was doing a lot of hiking and then I would break into a run for a hundred yards or something and then, then hike again. I was making fine time. Yeah. I, I knew that I was making up a little bit of time on you and I wanted it to be more, but, um, that, that was really, I think as you pass like the boot spur trail or something uh-huh. and as you sort of descend back into the trees, that was when I realized like. I should be moving a little bit faster. It wasn't that I was off pace at all, but it was just like things, things weren't normal anymore. Right. Okay. So that was on the way down to isolation that yeah. you realized that. And then, um, and so then you like, you had Andrew with you for most of, uh, he jumped a little bit between us a little bit, but I think he was with you for most of the, the isolation, um, section yeah. until he, he bailed out. Uh, to get back to Jackson, uh, down Rocky Branch Trail, I believe. Um, and we were headed back up towards Washington alone. Declan was supposed to meet up with us somewhere, but we weren't super sure where he was going to yeah. link up with us. So, um, yeah, what was... Because I, I was doing some watch checking, too, like once we got back above Treeline and yeah. on Glen Boulder, and I was like, yeah, it was essentially like, between four and six minutes yeah. that I'd, I'd see you behind me. and Right, and I, I, had, I had stopped to pee again, and I, I figured, because it was climbing, I was like, all, all I can do is sort of, like, stay, stay 
connected, not let this become like a 15 minute gap. Yeah. Right. Cause that, that would have been tough, but if I could keep it around five, six, like then we would start the next section together and be fine. Yeah. Um, and I did that for a while, but as we got above tree line, that was when some real achiness started going into the ankle. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't it wasn't really like instability yet, but it was it was achiness. Um, I I was still I was still pushing off fine. Like I guess muscularly it was it was okay, mm-hmm. but like I could tell that there was something like more tangibly wrong there was achiness in my ankle sure and that got that got much worse going up the tuckerman ravine trail yeah um which is the last little push up to washington right um yeah i know well because that was what surprised me is that like even when we were going across the lawn cutoff it was like basically the last time i saw you was you coming across the lawn cutoff and it was still like five minutes yeah. and then I got up to Washington and it was like 15 minutes before you got up there and I was yeah. like what happened <laughs> between yeah, yeah it, the the pain got significantly worse and I would, I would attribute that to like the immense power that is required to like get up the Tuckerman Ravine trail yeah. there like it's, it's also just like slanted rocks the whole time right it's like unstable yeah so which unfortunately was what I was going to hit for the next 10 miles. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it required a lot more pushing off, a lot more uh, sort of stability. And thankfully, I, like Declan met up like right at the bottom of the Tuckman Ravine Trail okay. with me. But um, yeah, that was, that was a tough, like tough few minutes climbing and then I got to the top of Washington and immediately started crying and that was the first time that I cried mm-hmm. um, in this thing since since uh, the bushwhack right right <laughs> yes sorry uh, yeah I got to the top of Washington and I knew that the gap wasn't too bad and we would probably set out at, at around the same time yeah um, but I was significantly more nervous then because uh, because I was in a lot of pain, yeah. and and it wasn't it wasn't like a conscious thing. Like I'm so I'm like so sad. It was just like I sat down and I started crying, mm-hmm. and there was like nothing I could do about it. Yeah. Um, but I I took ibuprofen, which was like all I could do at right. the time, and that sweet vitamin I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we again we didn't set off. It wasn't a super long break. You know, we no, we, we switched. I took some ibuprofen. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, no, you made it quick. Like, I I ended up... Well, it seems like you enjoy shorter breaks more than I do. Like, yeah. I like to... Like, a, taking a 15... It ended up being, like, a 20-minute break for me, which was fine with me. Like, well, it was a little bit long, but... Um, I feel like 15 minutes is, like, my sweet spot, where, like, yeah. it might be more, like, half that for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, we started doing the, the Northern Prezies, which, which you love. I, I don't have quite the same affinity for, but I, I like them fine. Sure. Um, and I don't know, for you, it seemed like it was a pretty cut and dry section. Like it went, I, I just powered through, like, I mean, I've just done them so much. Like my first solo backpacking trip was the Northern Prezies. Like I've done a few Prezi traverses. I've, I've, I like know 
I know Jefferson Madison Adams like between them very well. Yeah. So it's just yeah, it was it was just I knew I knew the splits, I knew how to get there and it was just very smooth. Yeah. Um, Whereas I had hit each of those mountains three times, right, in total. Yeah. Um, and I I the ankle thing it it did not go away with the ibuprofen. It did not get better with the ibuprofen. <laughs> I ended up finding out that I sort of like that it was it was better to sort of be in a running gait even if it was like as slow as hiking speed okay. just because it was it would activate the calf more mm-hmm. and sort of take some pressure off and so that was a good strategy for a while but it's tough in the northern prezzies because it's not very running friendly um, for sure with with all of those so it was it was a lot a lot of pain um, through the northern prezies, I was very excited to get down to Valley Way, and then, mm-hmm. you know, you sort of trick yourself into thinking like, you get below tree line on Valley Way, it'll be fine. Yeah, like it's still tough, man. It's still so tough, and descending ended up being far worse. Yeah. For oh yeah yeah for sure for the ankle yep. and down Valley Way was when I first started feeling the like the truly scary pain of put the foot down and have a searing pain just shoot up sort of like I guess it's sort of the shin mm-hmm. um, but it became like every every other step was was just getting shot right up there towards yeah. the knee and like you could feel it getting closer and closer to the knee and I was like what's going to happen when right. when that pain actually hits there yeah um, and so it was not smooth. There was like a twenty-five minute gap between us at the at the end of that. So yeah. you were lo- you were long gone. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have really all that much to say about it be- about that section. Otherwise, because I was just in so much pain. I knew that I should be going faster. I could be going faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in a much more real sense, I could not. Right. Um, because there was very, very, very little stability left in mm-hmm. in the ankle. Um, Declan texted Jack, who was going to pace you for the next section. Yeah. Uh, Jack asked if we wanted anything from White Mountains Cafe. Yeah. And I said, I would like Icy Hot, please. Sure. <laughs> uh, and so he was a hero and went to, like, Walmart and... And got me some and also loaned me an ankle sleeve for the next section. But, nice. um, yeah, it was like a 25-minute gap at that point. I was – there was still really no thought in my mind of, like, giving up at the end of the Northern Prezies. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, to give myself a chance because we had, we had some sort of new strategies. Yeah. And by, like, just for the viewers who haven't – Capped up. We're now thirty-five mountains into this thing, so like we're right. only thirteen from the end. Right. It's it seems like it's attainable. Right. You're also like a hundred and you're a hundred and twenty-ish miles in. Right. We're you know we're essentially 50, 50, 52 miles from the end. Yeah. So like at a macro level, you're pretty close, um, and you're like, if I can just push through this. But I get down there and immediately start crying again. Yeah. And the only thing that I can say to my dad is, it's just so painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was like the only thing. But there's like a 25-minute drive over to Wildcat, which is good. 
Yeah. Um, and I put the, the ankle sleeve on, I put the icy hot on, took like three more ibuprofen. I made sure that all of those things were like very well accessible in my pack. So in sort of the front pockets, um, so that I could just, I could apply whenever I wanted. Um, and that was good. I felt good about that strategy. I got to the bottom of Wildcat and it felt a little bit better. I was like, I was feeling better about being able to try. Um, we ended up taking Rick in our car to sort of the bottom of the, like an access road to take you to the, the ski trails, which may not have been the right call. Yeah, I actually looked at the map this morning and it was absolutely not the right call. <laughs> but it, it was important for me though. Because, like, I, I walked, like, a third of a mile or so with Rick yeah. up to the ski trails, and he was just, he was a rock, um, and I was, I got out of the car and immediately started crying to Rick again, um, and again, most most of what I could say was that it was, ju- it was just so painful, mm-hmm. and Rick was, Rick was a hero. He told me, he told me all that I could do is it was give it a shot, and that I had a lot of I had a lot of grit, and that you know like they they would be there to to help me like no matter what happened, and that like uh, he he just handled the tears very well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because I I was simply sobbing. Yeah. Uh, to that guy. Um, but I mean, le- leaving Rick, I had some fortitude, I think, um, and the climb up to Wildcat actually went pretty well. It was not that painful. I mean, it's also like a dirt road, so yeah. I saw a moose and a baby moose. Wow! On like the ski trails. On the ski trails. Wow! Blocking my path, and so I had to sort of cut up the 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 grass part sure. to avoid getting run down by this <laughs> mama moose. Um, but I got up to Wildcat and I was feeling fine. I, I like, I knew that I wouldn't catch Will and Jack, um, on this section, but I was like, if, if I can just finish by like one thirty, even, which would have been, um, like an eight hour traverse. Yeah. I, I would be alive for the last day. Yeah. Um, and so I got up to Wildcat, reapplied all of my pain relief things. Um, and kept moving. The wildcats were were fine. I was nervous about the descent down to to Carter Notch, but it was it was all right. And I I was feeling good. I was like, oh, I thought that this was going to be really really painful, um, and it was not. Mm-hmm. I got up to Carter Dome, which is a good like six ish miles in or something. About right, um, and I was feeling pretty good. I was like, okay, like you're a third done with this, with this route. Maybe even maybe even one a.m. is attainable. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's that's how well I was moving. Um, took reapplied all the all the pain meds, but th- I mean, this was now like five or six ibuprofen and like four applications of icy hot, like Dear in Lord. a in a like three hour period. Yeah. Um, and, but, but the rest of the Carters went fine. South Carter was 
was pretty fine. You know, it's it's only like 1.6 from Carter Dome to get over there. Mm-hmm. Middle Carter, only like about one to get over there. That was fine. I got to Middle Carter, reapplied everything, and I was like, 1 a.m. is definitely attainable. All, you've just got these like eight or so miles of mostly downhill to to get it and but of course i had forgotten that descending was far worse right right on the ankle and off of middle carter i knew that i was going to dip down to close to 3000 feet between middle carter and mariah uh, I didn't realize how technical it was going to be getting down there. Yeah, man, that was a technical decline. Like I thought I, beforehand, I hadn't done that section in a long time. I thought I remembered you saying that it was like a relatively gentle descent. <laughs> I, I can't remember if I fabricated that or not, but like, yeah, no, that was a. Or I, I think it's like the descent off North Carter, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that thing's a beast. Yeah, so I fell a couple times on that section, mm-hmm. and I was making I was making super slow progress. The consistent the consistent descent was was really firing up the ankle again, mm-hmm. and it it sort of didn't matter. I I took I I would take more stuff, put more icy hot on, and it just it yeah ended up not mattering, and and that was the scary part. I was like. It's like getting worse. Uh, I I put this stuff on and it gets worse. The pain was was shooting up closer to my knee at that point, um, and I was just making such slow progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up twisting the ankle again on one of those like um, um, one of those gnarlier sections. Yeah, um, and it was it was more painful. <laughs> After that, for sure. Yeah. Um, but shortly after that is when I, when mentally things started to deteriorating. Before that, I was I was, I was getting down slowly, and that was like sort of twenty five, twenty six minute miles. Okay. Which is like slower than I wanted, but like, still in the ballpark. Sure. I twist the ankle again. I fall down a couple times, and then, then mentally my. I start to sort of leave the ballpark. Yeah, so you had some, you had some fun experiences on, uh, yeah, on that godforsaken Mariah. Like, why don't you tell the, tell yeah, so the people? I, really, this all happened like within a mile of the Mariah summit. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize how close it was. I also didn't realize how, like, I thought that after summiting Mariah, it dropped straight down. Yeah, but it's it sticks around four thousand feet for a long time. Yeah, uh, but yes, I entered hallucination station. Um, the three most major ones were first I saw like a Virgin Mary statue on a rock that I had to climb up, and I was like, "Wow, I know that that's not there, but <laughs> certainly looks like it's there." <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and but like, I wasn't like nervous about myself. I just knew that it wasn't there. Yeah. Right. And then after that, I had the the, the scariest one, which was um, a police officer sort of running perpendicular to the trail at me, and and then sort of like dematerializing once it uh, once it sort of hit the the clearing or like got close enough. That's so scary. <laughs> just like take away like the police officer part. Like just like having visualizing a human running out of the woods at you. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's terrifying. But I, like, I I wasn't scared. 
I was just like, uh, yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that, that makes, that makes sense. Dear Lord. Um, it, like, I, I, yeah, I was not scared, but that tells you, man, that's the mental state. Right. Was, I, I mean, you could do psychoanalysis on that. Like, sure. Stop, I'm sure we could. Please. I'm sure we could. Yeah. All right. Uh, Before we dig into the rest of the situation, I want to catch the viewers up on where I am at this right. point. Yes. Um, so... Jack and I, uh, so Declan, shout out to Declan for pacing Xander through the Northern Prezies. Um, Declan stayed with him and I got down to the Appalachia Trailhead where uh, Jack was. And, um, you know, we talked about it for a few minutes, but we just, you know, we decided like, you know, this whole thing has been like, we have to go our comfortable pace. Like, um, you know, if... Our, our our A goal is to finish this together. Our B or sorry, our A goal is to beat the record. Our B goal is to finish together. Like I told Chris, like if Xander is like if I get to Moose Lock before Xander gets to Moose Lock and he still has a chance to get there, I will just sit ten feet away from the sign and like wait until there's one minute left on the clock. And so with that, Jack and I jumped ahead to Wildcat. Um, the gate to the access road was still open, so yeah. we jumped down there. Um, and then he he was militant about me just, like, giving him everything. Right. He was like, you're not bringing a pack. You're not bringing, um, you know, you're not bringing your stupid hydration bladder. Like, you shouldn't even really wear a shirt. <laughs> he gave me this He gave me this little uh, fabric hip belt that could put my phone in the back pocket and, like, one soft flask in the front. Yeah. And he was, and he was like... Uh, we dumped all of the rest of my infinite into various soft flasks. And he's yeah. just like, ask me for a new soft flask when you're, uh, you know, when you're out. <laughs> and so that, that made it pretty easy. Cause I basically just had to, um, drink one soft flask per hour. Right. And so did he carry the bladder and like, no, we so didn't like, we didn't carry the bladder at all. My dad just saved the bladder for later and mm-hmm. just like quickly mixed some new infinite yeah. and just like put them all like, it was like, all of my infinite was in soft flasks. Right. Did he have to go to like the the hut? To... No, no. He he carried it all from the start. That how many serving? Like how many flasks was that? Probably like seven. Yeah. Yeah. He's carrying like seven flasks. Jeez. Um. So we. Yeah. I mean that made it quite easy for me. Like I di- I didn't realize how, you know, coming from the backpacking background, I'd always kind of just thought that the weight of a hydration pack is fairly negligible and I just don't really care, but it does make a big difference yeah. <laughs> when you're not carrying eight pounds worth of water on your back. Um, so we like, we went quite fast up wildcat and then, um, he did a surprising amount of complaining about <laughs> how much weight he was carrying for someone <laughs> who like demanded to carry all the weight. So little, being a little bit of a baby there, Jack, but he also, <laughs> Jack also, as I said earlier in the podcast, ran the white mountains 100 which is insane in itself he ran it in 26 hours which is also insane like four days before we started our effort so the fact that he was even out there pacing me for a 17 mile section was kind of ludicrous um but he's a kind of ludicrous human being so you know what what can you expect um so yeah we made our we made our way fairly quickly across and like one thing I didn't mention when we were back in the Prezi is, like, I don't know what happened, and I've never experienced this before, but somewhere around Eisenhower or Monroe, I felt something click, like, 
my body had unlocked a new gear as far as at least as far as like uphill climbing and I basically rode that all the way to the end I just felt like I had more energy it was easier I don't know like I've talked to Bill Tid about it and he thinks that maybe my body unlocked some sort of new like maybe my body became more efficient at fat metabolism Mm. somewhere along the line um I don't know or or maybe it was all mental and he said like maybe my brain started using ketones more yeah and it just like it was just a mental thing and it felt like it was easier but in any case I was rocking that across the wildcat ridge we made very good time even though it was mostly at night and I mostly hated myself but he also made me like my I was using a headlamp and then a waist lamp yeah um, for light but my waist lamp's like a dinky little light, and he gave me essentially a floodlight to stick on my waist. So that made the, the rest of the night hiking that I had to do much nicer. Yeah. Um, because it just like lit up the whole trail. Yeah. Um, so we made, yeah, we made good time over Carter Mariah. Um, he, oh, turn your ringer off, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not editing that out. Sure. I don't have the energy for that. Um, we, uh, yeah, we made good time. We, I think we got done the traverse in six hours, right around there. Maybe six and a half. I don't know. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that your dad said it was around um, like seven hours or a little bit under seven hours to finish yeah. up. I just know that we got done by like eleven fifteen. Yeah. Um, and we started, I want to say we started slightly before six. No, that, that's when I started. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know then. Um, <laughs> in any case, um, we, we get down to, um, to Bangor Street off of the Carter Mariah Trail. And, uh, I had kind of been counting on Jack to, like, I'd been counting on dragging Jack out for most of day four. Um, but he said that his his knee was acting up from the uh, from the hundred miler, and he just like didn't he he thought that he probably wouldn't be good to go uh, the next day, and I was like that's fine, uh, you know I'll I'll be all right, and um, no, I really hadn't had any chinks in the armor yet, so like yeah. um, at that point yeah it was like eleven fifteen I got in the car and told my dad let's go to Cabot wake me up at one a.m. And, uh, and then I'll like make a call then whether or not I want to start hiking Cabot at 1am or 2am. Yeah. Um, so we drive over there. Apparently there was some shenanigans with like (laughs) a trucker being all the way down that dirt road and like, uh, some children just running around at night (laughs) or something. I don't know. Yeah. There is some, there are some support crew stories. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll get, when Hayes comes on the podcast, we'll get it all. But, uh, yeah, so I guess where I'll stop here is one shout out to Jack Kunzel for being a, being a homie. Right. Yeah. Getting me the icy hot and, uh, and, the the ankle sleeve brought me, you know, eight or nine miles of hope. Yep. (laughs) And then, um, yeah. So my dad woke me up at 1am. I decided like, yeah, screw it. Let's just get this mountain over with. And I know like by the time I get down, I'll be done with night hiking. Yeah. Um, and I, at 1am I asked like, where's Xander? And he said, Xander's still about four miles away from being done Mariah. 
And that is where I will toss it back to you. <laughs> yeah, which is about the same as when, <laughs> as when you probably had heard last. Uh, like, because I, I was around for Mariah for just so long. Yeah. Um, so I, I had the, the, those two hallucinations, Virgin Mary and police officer. Then I, the last thing, or the two last things that happened before I took a little, little siesta was, um, I was sort of, I was climbing and I, I sort of stalled on the climb, you know, one foot up, one foot down and took a drink of infinite from the, like the bladder. Uh, and so I was like looking down and I see these leaves and I'm just like, I, like I stared at these leaves for probably five minutes, just sort of being like, wow, that is artwork right there. That's like truly incredible. Um, the, the biggest thing that I can pull out was like, I, I could swear that in this leaf pattern, there was a guy in a tuxedo and sort of like all, all dapper. And I was like, that's just incredible. Like that's really, that's really something. But I burned like five minutes doing that and it was just terrible. Um, after that, I called, uh, I called my dad saying my phone is on 1% too, which is terrifying. But I called my dad saying, hey, I think that you should hike up. Um, and that's uh, essentially wh- what I said. And then I turned it off because I thought my phone was going to die. Yeah. Um, and then, like, as, as I've said, descending had been the, the far worse thing. Yeah. But I, I guess it was, it was climbing up to sort of hit that – or hit one of the sort of, like, open – open uh, rock face sections that are around Mariah. Yeah. I took sort of a big step, pushed off pretty hard on my left uh, left foot, and it was, it was the worst pain that I felt the whole time. And I blacked out, and I woke up in the bushes three minutes later. Jesus. And that, that was, that was, that one was actually completely terrifying at the time. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a ridiculous amount of pain. Um, I called my dad again saying that I was going to sleep up on the ridge. Um, and for, at this point, you thought you had already summited Mariah. Yeah, I, I thought that I had already summited because my watch said that I was like over 4,000 feet. Mm. Um, and I was like, I didn't see the sign, like the summit sign yet, but like, I don't know, it'll be close enough. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but so I, I, call, I called him saying, I'm going to sleep. And so there's another little descent, which made me more confident that I had summited Mariah. Yeah. Um, and I, I carry a, a, a space blanket. And so I, I laid down thinking that I was going to sort of take like a 20, 30 minute nap. Um, but I ended up sleeping for, I think it's like an hour and 45 minutes up on the ridge. Jesus. <laughs> That's scary, man. Uh, which, and the space blanket does great things. I was like, I was chilly, but it was it was fine, mm. um, and then I ended up waking up around three, and getting moving again, um, and I <laughs> it climbed back up only to see ah yes I'm over four thousand feet again and there's the summit sign from Mariah, <laughs> and so that was a, a bit. A bit painful. Uh, Here's the question: Did mentally. you take the spur to the Mariah? I, d- I did take the spurs to the Mariah summit. Do you hero? <laughs> I officially summited Mariah. So, so again, now for those keeping score, that's forty-one mountains, <laughs> right? 
Um, and again, like not even at this point, it's like I'm not dead for day four yet. Yeah, I'm not dead, but I, I soon will be just because I can't get down fast enough. Yeah, based on Bill Tid's uh, based on Bill Tid's predictions, the like, basically the latest we could have started day five. Or sorry, day four in order to have a chance would be about five a.m. Yeah, and so I, I was not I was not dead uh, for it at all um, at that point, but it ended up being like thirty five minute miles down just because like the the rock faces were super super painful down yeah. right, and even though it's like a lot of it is so clean, it just didn't matter like the dorsiflexion of my ankle hurt a ton yeah it was uneventful getting down it just took forever Mm -hmm. and was ridiculously painful um but after i slept i was like mentally back in the game like Mm -hmm. i knew what i had to do nutritionally like i i broke into the gels and sort of took those and i was i was probably a little bit behind when i got down but i got down after five yeah because it just took so long for me to get so did someone meet up with you at any point on your descent no Okay. No, because my dad, my dad had hiked up and then got lost on one of the like faces of Mariah. Jeez. And uh, so I passed him, and I was like, I was like yelling every hundred feet that I descended, just trying to get somebody to, like, thinking that he would be close by or or, mm-hmm. or something. But he he went way off trail, and it l- luckily it didn't matter in the end because I was like, I, I don't know, I I. Again, it was uneventful getting down, just ridiculously painful. Yeah. Um, but I got down, and I uh, there are pictures like from that parking lot, I believe, where and I think Rick described it as like there's a donut around my ankle, yeah. like that's, uh, and it was like purple and disgusting. It's just like so much fluid around my ankle, and it was yeah. it's completely locked up. Um, and that was. I, I got back to the the Carter Mariah parking lot after five, so yeah. at that point I was definitely done. Like you could only start at five if you were like at Cabot, yeah, and, like, at Cabot and like feeling good. Yeah. Um. So that w- it was a nightmare traverse. Yeah. Like from from middle Carter down. Yeah, man, that's frightening, and that's like almost a twelve hour traverse. Yeah. I know, and I had done it before. I had done it two weeks ago in the opposite direction, like the harder direction. Yeah. And had done it in like in under six, very comfortably after after doing a pemi loop. I was like, I was pretty confident about this section. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I think that we can rip this in in seven six forty five something like that, which yeah. is exactly what you did. Yeah. Um, but the nighttime and the pain just sort of it messed me up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so meanwhile, I'm I'm heading up Cabot. I it took me a little bit to get ready, so I, I ended up heading up Cabot at about 1:30 in the morning. Um, and basically like my thought was, okay, he's 4 miles away from the end of Mariah. I know that he's good with short sleeping. I'm probably going to see him a couple miles away on my descent down Cabot. So, like I'm heading up to Cabot in the pitch black. I hate night hiking. Fuck night hiking. <laughs> um, I there's some no none of my none of the weird brain things start happening on Cabot yet. I've just Cabot's kind of a spooky place for me, especially at night. It's just like it's up in the north woods all alone. 
there's like a weird little cabin up there that's always empty like it's just a strange place to be um so you know i made my way up but it's a very consistent climb i would i would compare it a little bit to kerrigan Mm. as far as just like there's a couple miles coming in that are very easy and then just very consistent pretty much all the way to the top um made the summit sign in the middle of the night um and then just like plugged back down as i was coming down i was like all right like making fine time at what point am i gonna see xander here (laughs) and so um you know i i get down and actually i got down quite a bit earlier than my dad thought like i think we'd I want to say we budgeted out four hours for it, and I got down like three fifteen. Yeah. But at that point, I was you know I was on the last day. I was my mindset was like, I can pace this as like a one day effort. Yeah. Like I don't have to leave anything in the tank. Yeah. Um. So I got down to the bottom. Uh, Taylor was there, mm-hmm. um, and Rick was also there, and um, I was like, "Where's Xander?" Um, and he said, "Xander's still near the summit of my." <laughs> And I was like, holy shit, like, that's not good. Should we, like, I was, like, I was very caught up, like, should we go over there? What, like, what is the right thing to do? And, you know, Rick was just like, you know, Chris is over there, Hayes is over there, Jack's over there, like, Yeah, it's there, there fine. were plenty of people over there, and, yeah. like, for, for everything that went poorly for me, like, um... In the end, I had, like, made the safe decisions to yeah. to, to go to sleep. Right. But at the time, I was just freaked out because I was like, he... Rick made it sound like he essentially hadn't moved between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. Right. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> um, so, at that point... Um, yeah, at that point, there were two thoughts in my mind, which was, was, one, like, I just hope he gets down okay, and two, like this is a singular effort now because yes, <laughs> there's yeah. like there's no way he can possibly catch up um so uh yeah we decided to go to wombeck i slept like a rock in the car between cabot and wombeck um wombeck is when when it, the, wombeck's the only time i really had any visual stuff that was weird um i i summited wombeck it was still pretty early probably like around six in the morning and then on my way back down I startled a deer that like I startled a deer that was on trail and it sprinted into the woods and I was fully convinced that it was like a full-grown man that had like seen me and then sprinted into the woods and I was like like I shouted out to him and then I was like freaked out for a second I was like why like why did that dude just run into the woods like what what is going on here but then it uh it stopped and looked at me and I realized it was a deer and I was like ah my brain's melting. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so, um, so I got down. Um, we went over to Hale, added on that little guy that we had missed. Right. Um, and that, this is where I met back up with, like, the, the support crew. Right, yeah. You yeah. weren't there when I started Hale, but you were... Yeah, I saw you when I got back down. But, um, there, dude, there were just so many people on Hale that were, like... Yeah, there were a ridiculous amount of people in that parking lot for, like, how early in the morning it was. And they all just wanted to, like, oh, what are you doing? And they're like, or they're like, where are you going after this? And I was like, to the bottom. Like, I was not in the mood. To, I feel bad I wasn't in the mood to talk to people, but I was just, like, lying to people. They were like, yeah. you know, 
oh, you're going so fast. And I was like, no. <laughs> I just like, keep, keep going. Um, but yeah, hail's short. It didn't take as long as I thought it would. I got back down to the bottom. You were in the car. I was very happy <laughs> that you were off the mountain. Or I think, no, by the time I got done Wombeck, I knew you were off the mountain. Yes, yeah. Um, but I didn't see you until I was done with Hale. Um, so that also went fine. We yeah, and you guys ripped out of that parking lot so fast. Yeah, from, we were speed, speeding over to Cat. Because at this point, I, I kept checking off boxes of like, okay, like at this point, unless something goes horrible, I'm going to get the trailhead to Summit. And then... Yeah. At some point along the way on day four, I was like, okay, I can beat the trailhead to Summit by an hour if nothing goes horrible. And then it was two hours, and then it was, okay, I definitely think I have trailhead to trailhead. Can I beat trailhead to trailhead by an hour? (laughs) So we just, like, I wanted to push it as far as I could just for the sake of, like, putting down a record that will be challenging for the next person to beat. Um but we were driving over towards Cannon, and, you know, I'd, ca- I'd been checking the weather, and it didn't show anything. It just showed clouds. But, like, the sky just looked like it was going to open up. And yeah. I was like, Rick, like, are, have you checked the higher summits forecast? And he was like, yeah, there's, no, there's not supposed to be anything. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, we got to the Cannon parking lot, and it was just pouring. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I, I put on the rain gear, told Rick that, I needed to hike the miles and yeah. that, you know, I know my bailout route's off cannon if I really needed to and that, like, I had some extra time if I needed to hunker down, so. Um, but, I mean, it rained for, like, uh, not very long, 10, 15 minutes. Right? It was basically, it rained from the time I started cannon until the time I got to the alpine zone. Yeah. And then it was just super wet and windy. And really, it only it only truly made a difference on, the on like, between the summit of cannon and, like, the kinsman intersection yeah. with like the five-way intersection yeah um that was super slow because the rocks were wet and it's technical but yeah. otherwise it was fine um that was where i had the auditory thing go really weird though because like i i zipped up when i was getting my rain gear on like i zipped up the zipper on my raincoat and then was was convinced that that noise was a bird chirping and then it took me like five seconds to realize, like, oh no, that that wasn't a bird chirping. That was my zipper being zipped up. <laughs> so definitely some disconnect between like my auditory processing and like the sensory input. Right. Very very interesting for us neuro folks. Right. Um, of course. But we, you know, otherwise it was fine. Fish and Jimmy was, Fish and Jimmy's always steeper than you want it to be coming down from the Kinsmans. Um, but it was fine, and then, you know, I actually broke into a running stride a little bit down from Lonesome Lake wow. because it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's a yeah. dirt path, and yeah. I didn't have it's, any... Uh, it's pretty gradual, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you weren't... No, you you guys jumped ahead to Moose Lock, right? I don't no. remember seeing you. No? No, we were, I, was, I was... Me and Crass were down there. Hayes uh, and, like, the film crew jumped ahead to Moose Lock. Oh, okay, okay. But sure. we were down there, and we, we drove behind you guys from uh, the bottom, like, the Lafayette Place campground. Gotcha. To, so, to yeah, Lock. basically, Cannon, the last four mountains were kind of tunnel vision to me. Yeah. Like, I saw the end, and I just wanted to be done with it, and um, 
you know, wanted to go as fast as I could, but also just make sure that I didn't like break an ankle because yeah. that would be a shame. <laughs> um, so got to the bottom on our way to Musilak, Rick told me that Drummond was going to join us, uh, or join me for the last climb. Um, but he also said that like we were going to pull into the parking lot at, at like eleven twenty-five or something. It wasn't eleven twenty-five. No, it wasn't one twenty-five, two twenty-five. It was something twenty-five. Sure. Yeah, and and Drummond. It might have been three. It was probably three twenty-five. Yeah. Because I didn't get done until five something. Yeah. Uh, uh, whatever. It is. Whatever. So basically, Drummond wasn't going to get to the parking lot until five minutes after we got to the parking lot, and I was yeah. like, all right. If Drummond can't catch me when my legs are this toasted, then he doesn't deserve to catch me. <laughs> that was my mindset. And also my mindset was just just for the sake of like going as fast as possible, I was like, my new goal is to see how far I can go before Drummond catches me. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, you take anything that can give you that motivation. Yeah. So, yeah, just started screaming up Beaver Brook. With the wetness, we had already made the yeah. decision that I was going to go down Gorge Brook um, since it's much easier. To, to hammer down um drummond and squall cut up to me yeah squall the hero yeah uh the true hero of the effort honestly I, they caught up to me and drummond was like you know i'm really impressed with what you're doing out here but like i'm i'm more impressed with what squall's doing <laughs> <laughs> i was like damn it andrew yeah they, they also ripped out of the parking lot like he he left the parking lot at an absolute sprint <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love yeah. that. But I mean, yeah, I was he he caught up to me and he was doing super well. Um so we uh yeah, we hopped above treeline on Musilock. Um it was super windy and cloudy, which is classic for me summoning Musilock. Like it's been like six or seven summits now and I still haven't gotten a view. Yeah. <laughs> um but we quick got a quick summit photo and then I just told Andrew like, "All right, we've got I think we had like an hour or slightly over an hour to get down Moose Lock in order to like beat the trailhead to trailhead by more than two hours. Yeah. Um, and so he basically just like, he went ahead of me to keep taking photos of me as I came down, but we were also just like running. Yeah, I, you guys I haven't ripping. looked at the splits, but like it must have been 12s. Yeah. And to me, at the time, 12s felt like 7s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt like I was going so fast. No, you guys absolutely ripped it. Because we were playing we were playing the math game mm-hmm. down there. And we were like, yeah, I think it's going to be around 6. I, I said, earliest is like 550, 555. You yeah. know, they would have to be really cruising like 14, 15 minute miles to do that. And you guys came in at like 535. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> So, yeah, that's kind of it. And then, you know, my mother met us at the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, Bill Tid met us at the parking lot. Well, we had, we had like, the, yeah, we had the whole crew sort yeah. of at the trailhead. Uh, Anne, Will's delightful mother, yeah. was right there pulling in. Yeah, and then 15 minutes after, Bill, Bill came up, which was awesome. Absolute hero. Yeah. Um, and this is at the Dartmouth, um, like, Ravine Lodge. Yes. Yeah, it was. Um, so that's kind of it. Um, I don't know. Is there anything, is there anything unsaid? About the effort? No, we just went through it in like an hour and 45 minutes. 
plus a, plus a little time for us to jab back and forth at the beginning. Dude, so. you wish it was an hour and forty five minutes. We're at two ten right now. D- no, I, I know, I know, but we, were like, <laughs> we took some time to talk about the lead up. Oh, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Yeah, no, this is pretty thorough, and this is going to be easily the longest episode ever. Yeah, which I will not split up into two parts. <laughs> For the listeners who are still here, the only reason I split Philip Karsha's episode up into two parts was because we were doing the 48 the next weekend, so I wouldn't have time to record my right. episode. I, I played it off as like, oh, like it's such a long episode that I think it just deserves to be split up into two. Like, no, I want to put out two and a half hour long podcast episodes. <laughs> I just, uh, we just didn't have you the time You love the to endurance pod game. Dude, absolutely. We're ultra runners. We could do this yeah. podcast game all day. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, what else is there to say about it? I mean, what's been, like, uh, you know, you've been doing the, the trip report. There's been a lot of Instagram stuff. Yeah. Like Gear Junkie article. Honestly, a big part for me has been the community. Like, everyone who has given me well wishes and, like, shown an interest in what we are doing. And yeah. It's just... Like, the the community part gets me about this every time because, like, you kind of think you're doing this insular thing and then you take a step back from it and realize that so many people in this community are, like, excited about what other people are doing. And yeah, um, that's a really special thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got, like, I've gotten texts from people that I haven't, like, talked to from high school, like, so for, like, six years or whatever. Yeah. And who have texted me saying, like, this was this was an insane thing to do like congrats to you and will yeah um, it, yeah it's been cool yeah it definitely has been uh since then yeah since then it's just been responding to messages jack oh god menace to society jack Kunzel decided that he on like day four or day three i think day four he, like, decided to put my phone number on the internet and say, Will has no friends and he's crying. You guys should all send him texts. <laughs> so, so I got down from, like, I think I got down from Hale and had 70 text messages. So um, I've been trying to, I, I've kind of taken a step back now because, like, I, I tried to be a good person and, like, you know, all these people are showing interest and I tried to send everyone something back right. just being like, thank you. But then, like, people send responses to my response, and I'm yeah, like, all right, yeah. I can't respond to all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah, the first couple of days were basically just, like, writing stuff up and sending texts. And now it's 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 uh, it's calming down a little bit. I'm still in the trip report writing process. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. My body... Honestly, I was shocked about how good my muscles felt afterward. Like, I didn't have a ton of muscle soreness. My IT band, like, I can feel all the ligaments in my right leg felt like they were on a string the day afterward. Um, Which, yeah, to be expected. My right leg's a mess anyway. Um, But since then, that's gotten a little bit better. And like we were talking about at the beginning, the thing that stuck with me the most is just, like, that deep fatigue of, like, being exhausted all the time and... That's just something we're going to have to deal with for a few weeks here, probably. Right. Yeah. I like my, again, I think sort of similarly, like every day there's sort of a new like muscular and just sort of like sticking point, you know, like just whether it's the hip or the glute, that's a little, little wonky, but like at the macro level, like my body feels pretty good and pretty smooth. Like if I didn't have the whole ankle thing going on, I would feel like 
pretty comfortable. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I walked over to Will's place today, which is only like a third of a mile, but with a crutch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've been, a, I've been on the crutches the past couple of days. Yeah, and, how hilarious is it that I made the injury guy walk to my house for the podcast? <laughs> right. It's all right. I, I can bear weight on the ankle. Um, but just not a lot and not for not very long. Yep. Um, well, all right. Unless you, do you have, do you have anything else that you want to, I don't think here? so. I for mean, the there's, record? there's more stuff that we can talk about, but there certainly is, but, uh, you know, but we've already put them through, we put them through so much and we need to stop being so self-aggrandizing. Sure. We're just, then we can do that again next week. Oh, of course. Yeah. We're just Xander and I are just going to put out a two-hour podcast about the forty-eight every week for the rest of our lives. <laughs> right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Noted peak bagger Xander Kiter. Yeah. No. My if I had if I had finished this, maybe I would have changed my Instagram hand or my Instagram bio to uh, something different. But as is as is what happened, it will stay notably not a peak bagger. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, yeah, the folks can find you on Instagram at oh, yes. xkiter2. Oh, yes. Uh, and I think that's the show. That's, that's thank a you, uh Thank you for coming on, big guy. Of course. Of course. Always a pleasure. Let's go play some Madden 2012 on the Wii. <laughs> dun, 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 dun